Top Fuel Recording Podcast, episode 175. Tonight's guest, Michelle Myers. Thanks for being here, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. We're excited to have you. I said it already. Excited. I said excited. <laughs> I meant excited. We're excited to have you. No, you meant excited. Excited to have you. So we're back at uh, our studio. We've been in the past few uh, episodes. You need to just be honest, man. This is the third one. We ain't left. On the moon? Is that? No, what? Where, where are we? To the moon. To the moon creative. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get to it before you can be on it, buddy. To the moon, creative. So we're uh, we're back here doing another podcast. And Michelle, we appreciate you joining us. We appreciate Melissa ha- Melissa having us down, and uh, looking forward to talking to you. This is great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I've been excited about this one. So we always start. And I don't even <laughs> know. No if that scares me. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've been giving the heads up on this or not, but we always start with no. a similar question. So okay. we're going to ask you. Because I don't, I don't know. I know you're heavily involved in the music industry, but are you a musician? I am not. Okay. I cannot sing. I cannot play <laughs> any of that. I've just always loved music and country music particularly and um, have always wanted to work in the industry. Um, and so I just took the skill set that I had and came and gave it a shot. And I've been in it for 18 and a half years. That is wild. In Nashville. In Nashville. Okay, so what brought you to Nashville originally? That, I wanted to work in the music business. So you just came blindly or did you have a lead coming in? Okay. I came blindly. And um, that's fascinating. And my husband worked from home at the time and he was starting a new organization so we could live anywhere. And we were living in Maryland at the time. And he came uh, home one night uh, and he said, Are you ready to move to Nashville? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, let's go. So that was a Wednesday. I literally went up to the hardware store and bought a for sale by owner sign, put it in my yard in Maryland. And Sunday, I had an open house and sold my house for three times the amount I paid for it. Are you kidding me? It's when the market was crazy hot. And then you came to Nashville and was like, all right, everything's expensive. Right. It wasn't, though. I mean, that was 18 years ago. I guess it was. You know, it's a whole different different city then than it is now. It it really was. Yeah. And so we came and and we moved in our house in September and it was finished, Mm -hmm. you know, being built. And he said, just don't look for a job until you know, we finished this house so that you can take care of that because I've got this company to build. And so, um, I didn't start looking till January. Um, and, uh, but in, in December, I was in an aerobics class and um, a woman come up t- came up to me afterwards and said, are you new? I was like, how did you tell? You were going left. I was going right, you know. And, she, and so we chatted for a minute and she said, what do you do? And I said, well, I just moved here. But, you know, after the first of the year, I'm going to start looking for a job. She goes, what do you want to do? So I want to work in the music industry. And she was like, rolled her eyes, you know. She goes, well, I own a personnel company. But to be honest with you, you know, I don't really ever get music industry stuff. That's pretty inside kind of, you know, deal. And I said, okay, well, that's fine. She said, well, why don't you just shoot me your resume and you know, if something comes across, I'll keep you in mind. I'm like, okay, thanks. So I sent her the resume. Fast forward to March, we were in Florida visiting my parents for Easter. And that's when we didn't have cell phones. You forwarded your phone, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I that. So Star we, 7-3. Right. So we forwarded, <laughs> forwarded the phone uh, to my parents. And this girl called. And she said, I don't know if you remember or not, but you met this lady in an aerobics class. And um, she's got a job she thinks she might be interested in. I said, great. And so we talked and I said, well, I'm in Florida. I won't be home, you know, for um, another week or so. She said, that's fine. You know, we'll just, we'll talk whenever you get back. So we got back. The first weekend I was back, I had company in town and we went to the women's show that they have every year here in Nashville. And all three of us got the flu. Uh, I mean, debilitating flu. flu. I could not get my head off the pillow. My husband was out of town. I had to call him. I said, you got to come home. I can't even get up to take the dogs out. It was so bad. So I called this lady and I said, can I please talk to the recruiter with the company? This is the job for me. This is what I moved here for. I want this job. And she said, well, I don't normally do that. And so um, I said, just have them call me. And so the guy called me and I told him, I said, I am your candidate. I'm your, that is the job that I want. And I said, but I am so sick. I could not come in for an interview right now. I can't even get out of the bed. 
And he said, you know what? I'm about to go on vacation for a week. And he said, I won't do anything with this job, and I'll call you when I get back. And he did. No kidding. And it was, and so he called me. I went in and interviewed on Thursday. They offered me the job on Friday, and I started on Monday. <laughs> and it was for the president and senior vice president of Great American Country Television. That's GAC. So that's how, how I, mean, I started my career. What are the odds Great that you American get Country that? Television. I know. Oh, it was it the was divine intervention that Seriously. the Lord put this lady in my aerobics class. You know, well, even the, the not even prior to that to know that you wanted to work in the music industry, that was just something you wanted to do with your skill set. You come down, yeah. then all that stuff happens. Then they wait a week to even do anything with the job. It's just that's not very heard of. Oh, that's it's never heard. Wild. of. I know it. It did, and it, it was the job for me. And it turned out. Um, Sarah Trahern, the girl um, that was the senior vice president at the time of GAC, had lived in D.C. around the same time I did. So she worked at C-SPAN, and um, we knew some of the same people and and things like that. But I, I didn't know that till you know, we got in the interview and, and started having conversation. But yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. So what was the skill set? Like, what, what were your... What were you bringing in there? What well, did you sell them on? I went to court reporting school when I was at Ole Miss. And um, and so, obviously, I had great right. typing skill. Yeah, taking down everything everybody right, question says. question before okay. we uh, proceed any further. What does that thing look like? I've always sat there and I'm like, I know they're doing notes, court report, different. Right. Well, it's 20 keys. All right. And, um, and you hit certain letters in combination. So you you write everything how it sounds. So it doesn't matter if you know how it spells or not. Okay. It's just how it sounds. So like if you said the phone, I would write it F long O N, which is really uh gosh, I hadn't done it so long. I think it's T P O E P B. But you can hit it all at the same time. It's a totally different language. Sounds- I mean you spend the first year you. Hey, how long did it take to learn I asked, that? I knew that those <laughs> things were wild. So you basically, yeah, that has to become like so you uh, hit, that has to go from your language. ears to your fingers, to fingers without processing. Without thinking. Yeah. Correct, correct. How I mean, English language so college should a, be? You learn a different language. It is a different language. Yeah. The whole first year in school, that's all you do is learn the language, and then the next three years, you work on building your speed to be able to to write. And they call this write, not typing. Write um, as long, uh, I mean, as fast as somebody can talk. You know what that sounds like? Becoming a musician. What made you yeah. get into that? Seriously. Like, what made you go to school for that? Uh, it, it, very random. I went to school at Ole Miss, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I stayed with my brother's girlfriend the weekend I went for orientation. And her roommate said, what are you going to major in? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And she goes, well, I'm, I'm going to start court reporting school. Why don't you start it with me? And I went, okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Is it still the way they do it? it uh, it's more real time now um, than before. I think they've changed the language up a little bit, and everything goes like before. You know, we would it would go into a little disc in our machine, and we'd put the the disc, the floppy disc, for those who you know are old enough to know what that is, put into a computer, and then it would go up against your dictionary that you had built, and it would come out, translate into English. Get out She's of She's like, now here. all you have to, all you now, have to do is hit the caption thing on Instagram. Right. <laughs> Hold up yeah. your phone in court. Now it just, they do it, and it just automatically come, yeah. comes up. Yeah. Like normal? They've, yes. Yeah. So, like, if you're sitting in a courtroom now, they can have a screen there for anybody that's hearing impaired or whatever yeah. can can just read the screen. All right. Yeah. So did you uh did you do that for a time? I did that for twelve years. All right. So oh, okay. did you did they always like, uh can we we're gonna go to the reporter or could you go back to the fourteenth line of the seventeenth uh, phrase there and read that for me. Did you ever have any like trials that were High profile. High profile that just freaked you out that you had to be a part of. And she can't talk about that. She'd have to kill had you. Had to no. kill us. <laughs> no. Damn it, man. No. I did a lot of freelance work um, at first. So I did a lot of car wrecks, divorces, you know, interesting, really mushy stuff. And then I got an offered a position with the Mississippi um, Public Service Commission. And they did utilities, which was incredibly boring. But mm. I did get to take the... Uh, when they broke Ma Bell and AT&T, you know, uh, Ma oh, Bell yeah, broke yeah. up into AT&T and, and uh, Bell South. Um, I took all the state um, 
uh, cases for that. And then I also, when all the casinos came into Mississippi, I took all the water hearings. So I would go up in the north in those little bitty towns and they would have town hearings and things like that. And About I would take like all drinkable that. drinkable water? Yes. So I bet you so that's Just like, the impact that the casino like would Aaron have Brockovich on the community. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah. I bet you have huge regrets that you... Uh, Started in the music industry and didn't stay the court report. <laughs> I really don't. I really don't. I, I did enjoy the court reporting, but I was ready for a new challenge. Oh, so yeah. Don't yeah, listen to him. He's so. lying. Yeah. He's no, I love the music industry. I love all the characters that are in it. You know, I could imagine. It's just fun, and but, it's it's you know. So what was uh, so strategic? I couldn't know. Like so. Buttoned up. I couldn't imagine having to be in that environment all the time. Yeah. So, what what is or what was the great was it Great American Country Television? Mm-hmm. All right, what what exactly is that? It is. Um, it was the competitor to CMT. Okay. It was owned by Scripps Networks, which is a large um, newspaper media company out of Knoxville, and um, they bought Great American Country. And so it's a it was a music video network, and so we did. Uh, had artists come in to promote their record that they had coming. We did interviews, um, all type of stuff like that. And that's actually where I met Melissa. Melissa came in and she was our receptionist. And yeah. so that's where we met first at GAC. Um, and so, yeah, so I supported the president and the senior vice president. And then, you know, pretty much anything that needed to be done. I've, you know, I have, I kept Luke Bryan's first baby while he did his interview because Caroline had to be somewhere. I've ironed Neil McCoy's clothes because he pulled them in a wad out of his bag and just gotten off the road. <laughs> so you ain't wearing and those, like, boy. Give them to me. I'm like, Neil, you cannot wear that on television. Give What's me wrong that. With I them? <laughs> oh, Michelle, ain't nothing wrong so with that. It was like the executive assistant and encompass anything else that might need to be done. Well, well anybody that has known a president or head of something knows who does all the work. <laughs> It's well, thank fact. you for saying that. A matter of fact. That's fact. Yeah, it takes a village to keep them together. Yeah, well, we did, know who did really you move, Did you move from there to CMA? So, I did. So, the um, the president of GAC retired, and the SVP moved up to the president. And, um, and then the uh, scripts had decided that they were going to move GAC to Knoxville. And they were going to change it to a lifestyle network. They were going to move away from country video. So I already then knew I was going to do something different because I came here to work in the country music industry. Mm -hmm. I didn't come here to work in lifestyle TV, you know? And so um, it turned out— You could have been on a cooking show. Oh, yeah. I could have been the next Trisha Yearwood. Who knew, right? Um, So anyway, the the president of of GAC then um, uh, got the job at CMA as the CEO. And she said, well, I'm not going without you. And so we packed up our little boxes and literally walked across the street, you know, from where we were. And that's Sarah. And, and that's Sarah Trahern. Uh-huh. And so, um, and then so I've been there with her, uh, or was there with her for the another 10 years. And so just the 1st of May, I retired. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Oh, I'm loving my, my life, my freedom, and getting to come do stuff like this in that's the middle of the day. <laughs> that is wild. So did... Uh, I'm just trying to think of that transition and how, how what was it about the, the country music industry that you knew that you had this desire that you wanted to be a part of it? Well, my grandfather, who was very, very close to, um, played every musical instrument. Oh, okay. And so when I was little, you know, he would take me with him everywhere to all the honky tonks, the VFWs or wherever he was playing. And I just loved it. I mean, you know, and he would, he would, we were in the car and we'd be listening to the radio and he would say, do you hear that still? Do you hear the dobro? He would point instruments out and I just, I just loved it. I was in fact, so then, back then you would get um, CDs or cassettes and you would open them up and I would look who the songwriters were and the musicians were. I just could not absorb enough of it. I loved really? it so how, much. How, when, how young were you when you oh, were? Oh, probably about 12 or 13. And, and trying to figure out, see, that's songwriters. Yeah. I, it, it always was, let me see lyrics. It's always interesting to see who wants to know who the songwriter is. Who who's who produced it? Who was, right. where was it done? You know, yeah. where was it recorded? That's very, I very interesting. I loved all that stuff. I just found it, you know, and I'd go, oh, I know that 
that keyboard player, he played on something else, you know, whatever. Yeah. It was just like putting the puzzles together. And uh-huh. so um, I just really wanted, but my parents were like, my grandfather, you know, traveled all the time playing music and it caused a lot of trouble between mm-hmm. him and my grandmother. Yeah. So my parents, like the music business, like you are not going into the music business. You know, they didn't <laughs> even understand the business that there would be a whole different side of it than like, I'm not going to sing or play. Yeah. I'm not going to be on the road. I'm going to do something else within the It's like dancing the in business. the town of Footloose. Not to be done here. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you've rubbed elbows with a lot of country music stars. I have. I really have. I've been so blessed by the most wonderful people. And and country music artists are some of the most wonderful people I've ever met. I mean, just... We need from, some inside stories. Oh, Bro, no. He just said... <laughs> I'd have to kill you. She said... Uh, <laughs> Come on. He said, he said rubbed elbows. And it's like... She watched Luke Bryan's kid, man. You don't rub elbows with somebody who watched your kid. That's <laughs> different. That's like how we're, that's a different level. Our family, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. When Bo was on first, Bo was probably about four months, maybe or five months, and he brought him in the little carrier into the studio, and and he's like, "Can you help me with this today?" He said, "Caroline had a dental appointment or something <laughs> with, or whatever." With this, with this, hold this, it out. I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I got it." You know, whatever. So, have you? Uh, how? Being on that side of things, being on the on the inside of country music and and getting to know these stars as people, mm-hmm. you know, like normal people would back in their hometown, yeah, who they grew up with, and and seeing the evolution, um, you know, you spent what eighteen years or so in the business. What does that look like when you see the the, the kid coming in that has these huge dreams? just like a million other people that moved to this town, but they're the one that uh, is in the position and, and in the uh, in front of the cameras and they are getting success. And then you watch them, like Luke Bryan, if you, you know, yeah. if you saw him at the beginning and you see where he is now, American Idol doing all these things and huge records, um, what does that look like from, from your point of view? Do you see, a, I mean, I, I guess it's basically... Uh, person to person, but as far as like the outside of the growth of the person or does the circus around them look bigger? Do they change or does it, does, do you notice a difference in people that, that change when that happens or people that just stay who they are? Yeah. Uh, What does that look like? Some do. For Luke, he's the same person I met the first day he came in the studio. Yeah. He really is. He's just a big old goofball. You know, Mm -hmm. he's just a lot of fun. He's very authentic, down to earth and he loves his fans. He loves his family. And he's not, you know, embarrassed to expose them, you know, like some good-looking men like him. Like, well, I don't really everybody know about my wife because then women mm-hmm. won't hit on me or whatever. But he's like, <laughs> he really, you know, embraces his family life and all that. And I, he's exactly the same person that I met on, on day one. Um, other artists, and I won't bring names, but... Um, they become more reclusive. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think the fan scare them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they get into it because they want to play music and they love it and they love the idea of going on the stage and playing. But when it comes to the meet and greets and all the radio and and having to have that one-on-one conversation, it's uncomfortable for them, yeah. you know? And so they become, as they get bigger, they have to do all that coming up or you'll never get big. I mean, yeah. you have to build that fan base. But as they get older and more seasoned and they don't have to do it, they tend to, you know, keep themselves in a bubble. Uh, uh, yeah. You find, I think there's a lot of, and it seems like, uh, it seems like uh, counterintuitive when you're thinking about musicians and performers. A lot of those people are introverts. Very, you most know, all they, of they them. They would rather yeah. be... It's, they would rather be on their own instead of out in front, but and like the stage mm-hmm. is somewhere they express them, express themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're they're not typically in your face people, except right. when they're on stage. Right, they're totally yeah. different. They're yeah. like, they're like two different people. Do you think there's is that a is there a yin and a yang to that? Is there? Uh, I I think of I've got a shining example, but it's always comedy for me. But like. There's uh, Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura. They're complete. They're best friends, but they're two totally opposite people. One is is you know gets done with the show, the show's over, goes back to the hotel, no no party and none of that, 
And the other will announce where he's going to go to the bar on stage so everybody can go hang out with him. <laughs> and, you know, shirt off, comedy, just uh, crazy. And I got to think that there are probably some people that, that are completely extroverted and in their element around all that. I'm, you see them. You see people that are like that, which blows my mind. Yeah. Brooks uh, and Donner that way. They're party all the time. They're just no, ready to go. No, they're total opposite. Really? Kicks, oh, Kicks okay. is a very extrovert and he wants to be in front of the fans and want like, not that Ronnie doesn't, but, but Ronnie's just more reserved, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, he's one-on-one, he's, in, you know, incredible, loves to chat and I've yeah. had, you know, yeah. a lot of fun with Ronnie um, in conversations and stuff, but, um, and that's why you see Kicks dancing around like a wild man on stage and Ronnie's in front of that microphone delivering yeah. that incredible crazy vocal. vocal. Oh my God, he's like the best, so, right? Yeah. My oh. neighbor, my neighbor's a 75-year-old retired art school teacher. And if you looked at him, you'd never know because he's about 6'4", big guy, cowboy head all the time. And his favorite band of all time, I, I do believe, is Brooks and Dunn. He loves mm-hmm. them. It's so much so. It's been a weird week at my house. We live in we live in the forest in in Louisville, which is weird to say, but it's true. And <laughs> biggest, in the, in the, yeah, people don't realize the biggest municipal owned forest in the United States is in Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky, oh, wow. and we live in it. So <laughs> this this past week, within a seven day period, we've had a fox, we've had a raccoon have babies in my garage, and then we had two pigs on. Roam on our property out of nowhere the other day. I mean, I'm just not like I we got a little bit of land, but yeah. nothing crazy like three Hundreds or four acres, acres yeah. up there. So, but the neighbor uh, took a picture Brooks and said, and "If Dunn's nobody just... picks them up, they're, they're they're Brooks and Dunn. They're Brooks and Dunn's their name." <laughs> Seventy five. He still awesome. loves them. Still loves those guys. <laughs> they would be so honored. Did you guys? <laughs> yeah. did, did you guys see Sixty Minutes? David Byrne on Sixty Minutes from Talking Heads the other day. Uh-uh. He talked no. about that. He talked about my pig's name, Brooks no, and Dunn? No, no, he's, he's an extreme <laughs> introvert. You yeah. know, and you, I mean, you know, that's the last thing you think about, talking heads. <laughs> but right. But he, he was talking about, you know, he, he said it, it, it makes perfect sense because, you know, introverted people, it's kind of, they, they go out and that's how they show themselves on the stage. That's how he, that's how he showed people who he was and what, what his art was and that sort of thing. But, you know, then he would get into an interview or something and would be like extremely backward. Yeah. Yeah. So it's they're, a, And they're also very creative people. They're very sensitive. I know mm. people, you know, giggle and laugh sometimes. Oh, Lord, there's Garth. He's crying again. I, that, that's Garth. I mean, he is just such an incredibly sensitive person that when you're having conversation with him sometime and you're telling him a story, literally a tear will go stream it like it, it touches him. He's very in tuned with his feelings. He's a very sensitive, you know, person. And people, I know a lot of people think it's an act, but I've been around him hundreds of times and I'm telling yeah, you it's you not. Know, it's just who he is. The same emotion transfers like, to his music. Garth, Garth. Yeah. Could, you, yes. could you dry it up, Garth? I'm sick of <laughs> I it. I know. Trisha just kind of rolls her eyes like, oh Lord, here we go again, you know. That's <laughs> kind of endearing, really. Tom Segura would say where the body's at, but I wouldn't say that. Tom, man, they, they, you ought to, don't listen to those guys talk about Garth. They're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> They're like he's he's got to have something uh, bad about him, doesn't he? Because he's just like the he's nicest great. guy, most <laughs> genuine. Guy. Could imagine. Yeah. So, what do you think you're going to do now that you've you know, uh, retired? I don't know. I ha- have had just several phone calls of like, okay, what are you going what are you going to do now? And I'm like, come on, guys, can I just give me a break? I've been doing this for 18 years, <laughs> running a very hard, stress rat race life. <laughs> I just want to take the summer off to be with my family and and uh, and do some things. And <laughs> Melissa's already called me twice. Like, okay, let me know when you're ready because I've got some projects. I'm ready. And and I've got another a friend of mine that's a host on another television network. And she needs somebody to help her book talent. And so she's reached out about that. And I have a person that's thinking about maybe starting a record label. And he's been in touch with me a couple of times. So I don't know. You got some options. I You're in control now. I am. And that's what I told myself. I'm not telling anybody no right now. I'm not telling you yes. I'm just like, just give me a break. I retired two years ago, ago, and that's the big difference. Now I can do what I want to do when I want. I know it. And I think I'm going to find that too. I don't don't think I'll ever go back to that 
I don't want to say nine to six because Lord, it was always you mm-hmm. know eight to eight or that's going <laughs> to be my next to... question. I, I want to I want to hear like what a typical week looks like in the mm-hmm. in a in the executive assistant to the CEO or whatever your official title was. It's different. I mean, it's, it's every day is different. Um, just because of things that happen in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, we have her day, you know, I supported Sarah and, um, we would have her day planned out, but, um, we would usually get started pretty good, but then, you know, um, all of a sudden channel two calls and like, Oh, this, we just heard that, you know, Garth Brooks stumped his toe and we want to do a story on it. We want your opinion on it, you know? And so now we've got to rework the whole day to try to get them their interview because they want to go six at six o'clock live with it. Or So you have things, I mean, some days are very, you know, structured with meetings and stuff, but the, you, is, there's a lot of, you've got to be nimble. I was going to say. You know, and not get rattled, you know, or like, okay, Sarah would come in my office and say, okay, I'm going to turn your day upside down. I said, okay, give it to me. What is it? And she'll like, well, I got to do this. You need to move this and this. I'm like, okay, no problem. Yeah. I'm like, why get upset about it? You're do just going to call and explain to the person. Yeah. You do the best you can and rearrange the be, day. It has to be interesting. Keeps your mind just sharp. Okay, I, I got to do it. this now. I got to pivot, do something else. Plus, I never got bored. What I was going to say is they're working with artists. Do you think like they're real prompt and good about stuff? Oh, yeah. No. I, thought that, I thought it was Thursday. What day is this? <laughs> what meeting was it? What yeah. day is our meeting? Gosh, that I'm late. I missed a lot. it. Yeah. <laughs> So in an industry where, you know, the yeah. flakiness of time, not yeah. people. The but, good thing, though, you know. that came out of COVID was artists who were not familiar with Zooms before, <laughs> if they, you know, call and say, hey, I'm I'm late. I'm sitting in Nashville traffic. I'm going to be 30 minutes. We're like, okay, let's, let me Zoom you in. We'll get the meeting started with you on the phone in the car, yeah. and then you can join it, you know, when you get here. So we were able to pivot and do some things like that that, you know— Made it more time yeah. efficient. What I, meant, what I meant to say was I was just leaving. I mean, I'm just getting out of bed. Can we zoom in a minute? <laughs> Give me four minutes. I'll zoom you in four minutes when I'm in my car <laughs> in this fake traffic I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know, my only suggestion on your new career is I would say highball everything. Just, I don't know. It's going to cost you a lot of money, though. Somebody's going to be like, yeah, that's easy. That's a bargain, of course. I bought it all. That's good advice. I'll take that. Maybe you should start a podcast. Oh, gosh. I don't know. This voice, are you kidding me? I love your voice. It's awesome. Sound like the country hick from Mississippi. I think your voice is nice. Thank you. You got a nice voice. A little bit of a draw. I love it. Goodness. Excuse me. Yeah, you're in a very interesting position right now. I am. Dropping hips. So do you want, I mean, like, does it come down to a question of like, how, how hard do I want to work or do I want to just put something in front of me that I believe in? Is it about, is it about money? Is it about belief? Is it about how hard you want to, what's the next step look like for you? It's not money. It's not. It's like now I want to do the things that I really believe in and that I enjoy. You know, and I love to help people. Like my friend that called, you know, and had, I need some help booking talent or whatever. That, you know, I enjoy that because now I'm staying connected with the people in the industry Mm -hmm. by making the phone calls or the emails or whatever, but yet helping her do something that, you know, Mm -hmm. that she just doesn't have time to do. Yeah. What's Melissa wanting you to do? She has not revealed that yet. I'm not. I'm not really sure what she's got up her sleeve, but it, it'll be something. <laughs> but she's like, you just let me know when you're ready. So, and and I, anything Melissa asks me to do, I will do. So yeah, do you see yourself like friends. like supporting, you know, up and coming artists and or? Um, I just don't know. Just don't know yet. I think when the How right long have thing. You been retired? For, oh, just since May six. That's yeah. the real. That's yeah. the real thing. Is you're you're probably still feeling you don't have a clue of what I don't. that is next I think just what presents, you know, if it when it comes across, I'll go, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's what I want to do. You know what you probably you know? do is go, this is my job. Just the same right. thing you did with that other one. Is, yeah, this is, this is the one. Yeah, you just feel it, that it's the right yeah. right thing. My mother, who's 81, is living with us. My father passed away, stepfather passed away, and she moved in with us. And, you know, she's having some health challenges. And my husband has MS, oh, and man. he has health challenges. So, Right now, being home and just being able to be there and be a support to them mm-hmm. has just been a blessing, you know, going to the doctor's appointments with them and things like that. So, I'm just trying to kind of get through this new phase of, mm-hmm. you know, my life of, of 
not, I wouldn't say I'm a caretaker because they're both still pretty independent, but there's, there's some well, that's to good. that. 81, if you're still pretty independent. Oh, she's still driving. Yeah. Look out Uh-oh. if you see a white car <laughs> Avalon coming down the road. That doesn't, that doesn't mean she's driving well. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. <laughs> it's got to be interesting. That's got to be an interesting uh, switch, quick switch for it you. It has been. And what, what is like the past, you know, just a little bit since retirement, have you learned anything just that you, has kind of caught you by surprise? Um, of caretaking? Just and of, taking of, care of, of not having to go, like you said, that eight to eight and, and oh, uh, yeah. taking care and doing things. Well, my stress- taking your time with the coffee in the morning. Yeah, no my kidding. stress level has dropped <laughs> tremendously because really? I don't feel I would get in the bed and go, you know, my mind, I couldn't shut my mind off. Like, what, I, I need to do this tomorrow. I need to do that. Like, and I would get up in the middle of the night and text myself or email just so I don't forget something when I get, you know, just things like that. And just not, my life is not dictated by anybody else's schedule anymore. It's my mm-hmm. schedule. So I get up and go, what do I feel like doing today? That you know, has to be great. like yesterday, yeah, yesterday yeah. I went, some friends of ours just moved in a house down the street and I went down there and put the contact paper on all her shelves for her, <laughs> you know, and I was like, she goes, I can't believe you're doing that. I said, this is so therapeutic. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm like, y'all just get out of here and leave me alone. I got this. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to, the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. What What's one of the best memories you have from your time with C, CMA? That's tough. Gotcha. Yeah, because I've had What's like, first thing comes to mind? So many. Um, I met Kenny Rogers. Okay. What? Yeah. yeah. I got to meet him and visit with, literally sit down and visit with him. And Tell he was such yeah. an icon. You know, I had watched him for so many years, had all his records and and everything. And just to be able to just visit with him. You know, How I mean, it, but it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. It was probably about a year or so before he passed away. Okay. He came out and did Music Fest, and I was backstage with him. And I'm like, I'm going to take this opportunity because I may never get it again. And, yeah. I, and I wouldn't have. Was he I as missed it. gentle of a person as he yes. seemed to be? Very. Really? Very kind. Yeah. Just, you know, ask more about me than, you know, I could ask about him where I was from and all about my family. And he was just a really, really kind person. You know, that was a huge loss to yeah. country music when we lost him. And we've lost a lot of great legends. Yeah, just in the past in the year past, or two. I know. For sure. Yeah. So, another question I had. If I remember right, you are a chapter in Melissa and Dr. Sarah's musical imprint? I am chapter number seven. Chapter number seven. Like Tell us about that. Single digits, bro. You know it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. My chapter is called Because He Lives. And um, I, in 2016, in May, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, I went through a very, you know, difficult time through that. I had a lot of people that uh, rallied around me. And um, I went through, I had a, a mastectomy. Um, from the time I was diagnosed to the time I had my surgery was two months. And mm, um, and then I went through uh, four months of chemo after that and lost all my hair and, you know, everything that comes along with that. Um, but during that journey, I just had so many wonderful people rally around me. I mean, literally, when I came home from the hospital, and I'm not saying this in a bragging way, just to show you the love of the country music community. Um, when I came home from the hospital, I had 19 flower arrangements in my house. Mm. It looked like a funeral home. I mean, it <laughs> smelled you. like a funeral home. <laughs> you know, and I had food. I mean, constant people were sending catering, and it was just, in, the love was just incredible. And even one day, um, it was a Sunday afternoon, I was feeling pretty good. Um, I, I took my treatments on Friday, and usually uh, I was home over the weekend, and then I would go back to work on Monday. Well, Sunday afternoon, a friend of mine said, I'm going to get you out of the house. We're going to just go do a little shopping. And I was in a store, and my phone rang, and it said unknown. And I typically don't pick those up, but you don't ever know who's going to be on the other end that needs something. It was Sunday. I picked it up. <clears throat> I said, hello. And and he said, Michelle. And I said, yes. I said, he goes, hi, this is Keith. I said, hi, Keith. How are you? And he said, I'm fine. I said, how can I help you? And he goes, no, this is Keith Urban. Mm-hmm. And I went. I think you mean you. He went, this is Keith. And I went. It's Keith Urban. I know. Well, it wasn't his Australian accent. And I went. And this guy that I work with 
Um, I call him Pittman. He pulls stunts on me all the time. We're always playing practical jokes. I'm like, all right, come on, Pittman, cut it out. This is not funny. You know how much I love Keith. This is not funny. And he started laughing. As soon as he started laughing, I knew it was him. I knew the accent. And I went, oh my gosh. I'm like, what can I do for you? He said, he started laughing again. He goes, there's nothing. He goes, I tried to call you Friday, but you were at your treatment. I tried to call you at the office. And so he said, I got your your personal cell number. I hope you don't mind. I just wanted to call and see how you were doing. And I was like, oh my God. How dare you, Keith, call me and we talked, <laughs> And we talked like 15 or 20 minutes, you know, um, about his parents' cancer and Cole's, you know, um, dad and wow, everything. Yeah. And just, I mean, like I said, the love from that community is just amazing. You know, that support. Well, you know, it, it, it kind of, more than anything, speaks to the service that you've provided for that yeah. industry. Not everybody gets those 19 arrangements. Not everybody gets that phone call. There's a reason you got all that. A lot, for yeah. a lot of people. And well, yeah. I, I mean, I know it sounds so cliche, but I mean, I love people. I really yeah. do love. And I tell. And I love to help yeah. people. And and uh, that that was the fulfilling part of the job. Not meeting the schedule and making the, all that work. It's like, what do you need? What can I do to make yeah. your day better? What, how can I help you? Yeah, it's personal to me, you know. Yeah. So, That's why you get 19 arrangements yeah. and phone calls and stuff like <laughs> that. Let's go to the other side now, that question. Yeah. You think back to your CMA, what's that memory that just like still makes you hurt in your gut like you didn't know how you were going to get through this? Hmm. I was at the awards um, in 2020. I think it was 2020. Can't remember the years. I'm when you're at these awards, terrible you days. Yes, I'm working. You're working. I'm working. Yeah, I always work the red carpet. I'm the first face that um, the artist sees when they get out of the car to welcome them. And, and they know you and, anyway. And then, yeah, I know. If I don't know them, if they're failing the artist, I know their publicist or their manager or somebody that's with them. Because um, we're, it's a small community, you know, it really is. Yeah. And, um, and so I would work the red carpet. And then after that, I would just kind of, filter around backstage if there are any holes that, you know, people needed help or anything. If not, I would just go find a seat in the audience, which was my favorite thing to do, to be able to sit and watch the show, you know, because it was always a, a great show. But, um, yeah, so I'm sorry. So, like, that, man, so that, for that, for that moment, that yeah. Time, so, you didn't know, like, oh, yeah. my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. How am I going to get through yeah, this? Yeah, I got the phone call that my, um, uh, my niece was in the hospital and not feeling well and was like okay is it like critical like my niece I, I came to live with me when she was 16 she just turned 16 and so I helped finish raising her and so she's like my daughter and um so I was like okay I'm at the awards is it is she dying is it the flu is it you know whatever <laughs> like just like it just being that the pit of my stomach you know mm -hmm. just like I didn't know what to do and and I went to my boss I said here's the situation she said go just go, you know, and that was huge to be able to just to walk away from that, you know, because I had responsibility that they had, you know, given me to, and they're like, we'll figure it out, you know, and they, amazing, that award show went right on without me. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's crazy, but you it know what? It is crazy, and it's, the industry's kept the going since I retired, up to too. It. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably just as huge, though, for you to walk in that room for her. Yeah, it was, know? it was, and she has said that since then, yeah. you know, how much it meant for her for me to, to come to her because she knew what an important night it was. The most important night? Of the year. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like Christmas for, you know, country music. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Absolutely. So how much do you say as a, <laughs> as an executive with CMA, how much do you feel like you get, you're on top of like up and coming country artists? We try to stay on top of it. The thing that CMA does um, is one of their missions, you know, is to help grow country music. And the way to do that is to embrace these younger artists before really anybody knows them and help promote them through putting them on playlists and getting them on stages. And of course, there's certain criteria you have to meet to, to play a CMA stage. You can't just, you know, want to be that. There has to be a a goal that you have to reach to be able to do that. But I think they're very good at at getting, you know, and it also depends on the booking agency and the manager and the label, whoever also has helped pushing them to make us aware of them because there's just no, there's so many of them. There's no way you can know them all. Well, you just had, what you just have, CMA Fest or something last couple weeks ago? Yeah, right? last yeah, yeah. weekend. 
last weekend, and Nolan Taylor, who is a Lexington-based uh, artist, who was he was I think he was on West Virginia radio, but he has a song that just has taken off, and he's playing with uh, Charlie Crockett and a bunch of other uh, other up and comers, just massive mm-hmm. stages. But I saw he was down there, and and we're talking this this maybe four or five months that that that. Um, video was released that really propelled him to where he is and he's there mm-hmm. so you know somebody is paying attention right to, for for him to already be there and then seeing other pictures of of artists that we've had on um be there that are mm-hmm. really fresh and new faces it really speaks to that to to stay yeah. on top of getting well it's not taken in. lightly i mean what a festival or an award show appearance or whatever can do for someone's career. I mean, oh, look yeah. what it did yeah. for Chris Stapleton on that uh, performance with Justin Timberlake. It blew him up. I still remember so that So it's song. not taken very lightly at all. Um, we, CMA has um, a booking council that meets for many, many weeks. Um, and it represents, uh, on that council, has representation from the booking agencies and labels and all that, and they and they all come together, and there creates this huge list of people, you know, they that they have seen or that are blowing up or whatever, and it's all vetted out so that it's fair and it's, you know, it is truly is someone who is gaining ground, and you want to help them get that get that little push, but they have to meet things like mm-hmm. they so many tour dates a year and have to have you know charted or uncharted songs out. I don't know all the criteria off the top of my head, yeah. but they're very. Um, you know, intentional about who they put on those stages and and help. You know, like I said, it just can't be Joe Blow who's been sitting in front of Tootsie's collecting money in yeah. a can. It's got to be somebody who's very intentional with their career. Putting in some effort. Absolutely. In work. And that, yeah. you know what you said it earlier about, you know, there's so many people that come to town and that are so talented and, and they get here and they don't, because you've had, we've had talent come here and, and, well, I want to be an artist. I want to do this. And then when they find out how much work is involved outside of performing on stage, which is the photo shoots, the, you know, all the interviews and all that that goes along. And they're just like, whoa, I didn't, yeah, like, I didn't, that's not what I signed up for. I didn't want to do that. And they'll just back out, you Uh know, because they be a songwriter or something else. But there are, there is so much talent in this town. It is, it is unbelievable. Talent, it's it's talent meeting, ambition meeting, you know. some Who's willing to work the life. hardest? Yeah. Who's well, willing to work the hardest? Uh, Jeff said it last podcast, you know, he he was always getting better and then he had an opportunity and he was prepared for it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's what it boils down to. You got to be willing to you take gotta, that opportunity. You got to be willing to do it. And you got to be willing, prepared to take that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what, you what be interests able to grind. me. Yeah. yeah, you gotta you gotta be willing to grind. Yeah, yeah. It's really what interests me in and seeing what you do because I, whatever you take on, you know, because you're still young, you've got a ton to give. Whatever that next thing is that you decide to do, and I'm fascinated to see what that is because whatever you <laughs> touch, I'm sure is gonna it's it's gonna not only be worth it, but you're going to make it even more significant and better than it already is. I can just... It's going to be fun. Imagine. Whatever it is. <laughs> imagine. Yeah, it better be fun, right? You're it's tired. Gonna, you ain't in for nothing right. fun. I mean, not that I haven't had fun the last 18 years because I absolutely have. It's been a great ride and I've yeah. enjoyed it so much. And But it's just time, you know, to step back for a little while and go, okay, now what's, you know, what's next? Yeah. Maybe not wake up in the middle of the night sending yourself texts yeah. with this next yeah. job, Yeah, you know? it's kind of <laughs> nice to just not even have to, not not hit the snooze, but don't even, you don't even have to set an alarm. Just whenever I wake up. Are you still waking up earlier than your alarm would have been going yes. off? Yes. Eh, then that suck. Yeah, yeah, I am. But I, I'm going to get over that. It'll change. So I want to circle back a little bit. So you, you told us your story mm-hmm. in the musical imprint uh, book, but yeah. th- did you tell us your song and how that was tied to that story? Yeah. Um, so when I first got the diagnosis, of course, you're you're just paralyzed. You just can't even imagine, like, how could this be? There's no cancer history in my family and all this kind of stuff. And I struggled with, like, I was terrified. You know, can I, I don't even know if I can do this you know, how am I going to deal with this? And I've always been a person of strong faith. Like I always pray. And like my husband just, he gets aggravated with me because I do not make a quick decision about anything. I'm going to the Lord in prayer with it. And when I feel like I know the answer, then I I make that move, you know? And 
and sometimes I'd take longer than he would prefer <laughs> to come up with that decision. But but anyway, so, you know, that's what I did was I, I just pr- I prayed about it. And I was like, Lord, how in the world am I going to do this? And a friend of mine at work came by and said, hey, I've got this girl that's about a year ahead of you in your journey. And she would talk to you if you'd be willing to talk to her. And I had run into everybody else. Oh, my aunt had that. Oh, yeah, but she died. Oh, my, my grandmother, she had it, you know, 50 years ago. And they did a mastectomy and she's a mess. And I mean, you know, it was all the bad stories. And and I just wanted to talk to somebody who had been through it themselves, not knew someone who had been through it. And so I called this girl one night and we I sat on the, my bed and, and we talked on the phone for like two hours and we laughed and cried. And, and she gave me so much information about what I was about to endure that the doctors never mentioned, you know? And the things that she taught me were so helpful. And and I thought, you know what? I can do this. You know, I'm like, and then I, I was thinking, you know, Christ, he suffered on the cross. I mean, when you think about the suffering, I'm like, if he can do that, I can do this. Surely I can do this, right? And so, and I just kept thinking because of him and because he lives and, you know, and, and so that song that the Gaithers brother, that's the one that I relate to, the Gaithers, um, because he lives, would just kind of like go through repeat on my head at just random times. And it always seemed to be like at times that I was getting fearful or more doubtful, like, can I do this or can I not? And um, so it just kind of became my theme song because he lives. You know, I had always related that song. You had you know, church on Easter and they yeah. always play it at Easter. Mm-hmm. And that's what I related it to. But then it just kind of took on a whole different meaning, you know, because of him, I can I can do this. No matter what the result is, I can still get through this, mm. you know, and I will get through this because as you can tell, I'm pretty stubborn and headstrong. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I did. And then I made up my mind that, I was, you know, Lord, you know, get me through this and I want to help other people. And so I prayed for that. I said, please put people in my path that need my support and my encouragement like my friend was for me. And he did. I mean, at one point I was like, okay, I can't take another phone call because I was spending (laughs) so much time but I was trying to give everybody what was given me. You're trying to be that one Mm -hmm. Trying to be that person in in their life for it. And um, and I still do it. I don't have, like, at one point, I had, like, 11 people Jeez. going at one time. I know it was a lot. But now, you know, it's usually, it's two or three or, you know, something. And sometimes, you know, people say, hey, my aunt was just diagnosed. I'm like, here's my name. Here's my number. Have them call me. Sometimes they call. Sometimes they won't. Mm-hmm. You know, but I let it be their move because, or I'll try to send them a text. Hey, this is Michelle. Your aunt told me, you know, I'd love to talk to you. And so then sometimes that prompts them to call you. That's awesome. But, uh, you know, these doctors, they do this every day and it's so routine and they're just little things. I'll give you an example. Chemo. Um, my friend told me, said, before you start your chemo, 15 minutes, the infusion, uh, start sucking on ice and she could just keep or popsicles or something freeze the inside of your mouth because it constricts the blood vessels and it keeps the chemo from going into your mouth if you don't your mouth will be full of blisters oh, and you right. won't be able to eat and if you can't eat then your blood count numbers are affected and if they're not right then you can't do the next chemo on time and it throws you off schedule and she said, and keep doing it 15 minutes after they stopped. I got one tiny blister the entire four really? months. I mean, that that was so helpful. That's yeah. huge. You know, because you hear about the caps, the ice caps, don't want your hair and all that jazz. But like, that was like, that would have been debilitating Absolutely. to have a mouthful yeah. of blisters. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just crazy. And I then bet- I, I went to, uh, before, when I knew I was going to lose my hair, you know, I went into the wig shop just like this. And I said, this is what I look like. And this is what I want to look like, you know? (laughs) And we picked out a wig. They cut it exactly like my cut. So when my hair started falling out, I shaved, went ahead and shaved it off. I didn't wait for it to all go. Slapped that wig on that next morning and off to work. And nobody knew I was wearing a wig. Are you kidding? Mm -mm. That's awesome. So, you know, it's, 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 it's awesome to think like when, it's it's cool to watch positivity grow, you know, to see that see that that the friend of a friend set 
when they gave you that uh, contact about somebody that had been through it and then to, you know, 11 people at one time and two and three. Mm-hmm. And you imagine that that person, that's, you're not probably not the first person that she talked to. If not, if you were the first, you're probably not the last. So it just continues right. to think that that network of, of um, people looking out for each other and, and going through those similar experiences, what that one phone call has generated yeah. uh, has to feel pretty awesome. Uh, even for the original uh, person that helped you. Right. It's yeah. Crazy to I, think. She was my angel. No, no doubt. And I tell her that, you know, all the time. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, if we don't help each other, I mean, I think that's the reason we go through things is we're supposed to use them to help others. You know, I'm not an alcoholic. I've never drank really. I couldn't help an alcoholic because mm-hmm. I don't even understand what that means or how, what it feels like to be addicted or anything like that. So I think you have to take the things that happen in your life and find purpose in those to help others. Cause I think that's what we're all here for, yeah. you know, yeah. really. And, and the thing about music and this book that was just so phenomenal was just see the power of music and what it did in so many people's lives in different scenarios mm-hmm. and, you know, the different songs and how it impacted them and then how it's impacted others. I just thought the book was brilliant. I was Mm -hmm. so honored to be asked to be a part of it. Um, You know, and um, I think she should do a volume two. We've been waiting for it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if she'll do that or not. She said, yeah, as soon as you take a job with her. That's the project she's going to probably dump on me. You're right. (laughs) It's funny you mentioned that. Michelle, we really appreciate you thank chatting you with so us. Oh, we've thank enjoyed y'all. It's it. been fun. I've enjoyed meeting both of you. Yes, yeah, it's great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'll let so, you know what's what's up next. So anybody that wants to keep up with you, I don't know, you're not uh, like a public figure or anything, but do you have not, somewhere that I'm people... I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Okay. I'm a big, I do Facebook a lot and I try to... Is it? Uh, and it's you Mich- probably have the only spelling like M- Michelle Myers. I do. Myers. It's Michelle Myers, M-E-C-H-A-L-L-E-M-Y-E-R-S. I spelled it right. Yep. At Facebook. Yeah, yep, You got it. So uh, you can find me there. If, if you need somebody to talk to, I'll be happy to just connect with me there. And I'll be glad to to share you all my my wisdom, my cancer journey wisdom. <laughs> well, not only that, just your wisdom in general. You, you know, you know so much about the industry and then yeah. with, with, you know, your personal story. And I'm really, really interested to see what happens moving oh, forward thanks. for you. Yeah. I'm excited awesome. too. It'll be something. It'll be All fun. Right. It'll thanks be fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. That was great. Yeah, great job. See? Yeah, nothing to be nervous.